Osiris. Welcome to the first ever episode of Recovering Catholic. I'm your host, Katie Pruitt. A little bit about me, I'm a singer-songwriter who grew up a closeted gay girl in the Catholic Church. Like many people in the LGBTQ community, I've had a falling out with religion as an institution, but not necessarily with the idea of God. In this podcast, I'm exploring the intersection of homosexuality and religion, and the ways religion can be both helpful and harmful in our modern society. Today, I'm talking to Semler, who self-released her EP, Preacher's Kid, in the category of Christian contemporary music. I chatted with her about the importance of LGBTQ representation in the Christian genre and what it means for her to be a quote-unquote skeptical Christian. Hope you enjoy. My mom turned 18 in the 1960s and she doesn't remember Stonewall. To be fair, she can't own a beer kid That the bricks launched at police Would compel me to exist And I think about that now Down the ballot Of the ones I love and I don't know yet I voted for you So... You're my first. Um, you're my first interviewee uh, for this for this attempted uh, podcast. I'm one. I'm to do. so honored. Yeah. For real? Wow. That's I, so, I'm so honored. I've been like, I, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while, and I've been fascinated in the crossroads of you know like faith and um, yeah, and sexuality and right. and um, you know, we both sort of made records about that and. Yeah, I just think that's a a cool thing. Um, But yeah, I like found you on Twitter randomly when you tweeted about religious trauma. Is it just like (laughs) I just, you know, I was like, yes, this is me. And it was a it was something about um, like Spotify playlisting. And a lot of people were making like religious trauma playlists. And I was like, how come there isn't like a Spotify editorial playlist for this? thing because there's so many like editorial playlists so I was just trying to see like how many who else is like kind of making this type of music and like would like to see this type of playlist and then you responded and I was like holy shit Katie Pruitt wow like, that's so nuts by then. yeah that's right you saw you saw me open for Rustin yeah um who you grew up with or went to school he, with you said something about that one, yeah yeah for one year so he went to he did one year in Belgium yeah he was telling yeah. me that. that's and wild. he was and he was a senior when I was a freshman okay and he was like just such a cool guy and he was good friends well he was like he was like buddies with my brother okay and so I always just like liked the guy and then I saw that he was like doing so well and I was like oh he's gonna be at the troubadour I should go see him and then we went we like caught up and we kind of got back in touch there and then he was at hotel cafe and you opened for him and I you know I was like oh I want to make sure I see the opening act because I'm sure like you know with Rusty like it's gonna be someone really good and that's I was so like, nice of you not everyone feels that way <laughs> I was weeping I wow. was not okay I was wow. like we- I was like oh it'll be sick like I can't wait to see who it is and then you started playing and I was like 
yeah, when you were like, if loving her, I was like, oh no, no. And uh, then you- Lesbian I got content. It. Yeah, I was like, what is this? There yeah. needs to be a warning. But it was yeah. so good. I was blown away. And so then when your record came out, I was like, oh my gosh, is this about me? <laughs> that Dude, and, and I felt similar, similarly uh, listening to um, Jesus from Texas. Um, dude, that song, like- so yeah, found you on Twitter when you tweeted about religious trauma and then looked up uh, your music, obviously. And yeah, Jesus from Texas is the first one I clicked on. And it's just like, it's so good. Like, I mean, you touch on so many different things. You touch on like, you know, the the Stonewall riots, which, and, and your mom sort of not even being aware of it. Yeah, she, she was lived in New York up. at the time. Wow. She was in New York and she didn't know that it like happened, didn't remember it. I mean, anything. that's just like, when you're when you're a straight person living you, those problems don't really come across your radar um, yeah. so that like resonated then you talk about you believe in bigfoot more than god because who's he hurting dude like there's so many lines that just like were like gut punches to the throat in that song and i just felt like it was such a good representation of someone who is who like believes in god or force of good or whatever you want to call yeah. it um but is also like skeptical um, yeah. of religion as an institution and i think that's like what grabbed me so so much is um yeah i mean i i grew up catholic and and i you know kind of didn't question it up until a certain point and then <laughs> and then i was reading an interview that you said and you're like uh is this like low-key a cult <laughs> like yeah. people are like well, lining up like kind of like zombies receiving this like little wafer yeah. you just yeah. don't question it and then you're like this kind of weird uh did you have the mass did yes you, to to mass? you went to catholic school yes yeah, so we had mass on did you have it every day or what was your routine um, we didn't have mass every day. We had mass every Sunday. Um, okay. but you know, I went to Catholic school, so we had like holy days. So we would like randomly right. go to church on a Wednesday for like St. Somebody's day. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We had mass every Wednesday, um, before school and it was required when you were a certain age. And then when you got into like middle school and high school, you could kind of ease out of it. Yeah. Um, and then by high school, like almost no one started going, but it was, it's very like, it there it just it feels very culty because there are so there are these like ancient rituals that's what it right. is and so you sort of wonder with like the incense and the robes like when you start watching enough movies you're like is I mean come on is this yeah like what's like, this about yeah like what is it um but yeah I think what's really beautiful um yeah I've I've admittedly sort of um, veered away from religion and faith and you know I believe in a force of good in the world and mm -hmm. that's about the extent but what I love yeah. about you um and I think it's amazingly important is that you are a Christian and part of the LGBTQ plus community and mm. you're like considered CCM music yeah that's I mean that's I wrote um Preacher's Kid and as a joke, I told my wife, I was like, I think I wrote a Christian record because that's all I was thinking about in quarantine, you yeah. know, like going through TikTok. That's like all I was thinking about. And I was, I said it joking. I was like, I'll put it under singer songwriter. Like I'm not going to do it as a Christian record. And right. she was like, but why, like, why are you limiting yourself? If mm. this is an expression of your Christian faith and like wrestling with doubt and skepticism and hurt and harm and then reconciliation as well. Why is that not a Christian record? Look at Switchfoot and Reliant K, the yeah. fans I grew up listening to. 
is this less Christian? I mean, yeah, I swear. So I, some people like get really hung up on that. And like talk like, about smoking weed. I think it's progressive. Yeah. It's awesome. And yeah. Because it gives representation to those who are Christian and do those things and are sort of like you and are part of this younger generation, which like embraces things like smoking weed. That's not like a sin in my opinion. Yeah. Neither is being gay. Neither, neither are any of these things that like... sort of the older generations have like been like oh no um about you know so it's cool we exist like it's so cool exist and i think it was sort of gaslighting for so long within an entire genre of music for them to be like none of that exists here come on like what are you what are you on about that's that's wild and i also think that um sort of like what you were saying i just i've been asked to repent a lot recently i don't know if you have you had like people be like repent like it's like what they go to and listen i have things i don't think i listen to those people (laughs) (laughs) they haven't maybe they haven't found you yet but when it went number one um when preachers kid went number one there was so much like calls for repentance and stuff being thrown at me and i have things to be sorry for just to your point before it's just not what you're asking me to being gay i'm not gonna repent for who i am like that's not something i have to repent for my marriage my dope ass marriage i'm really happy like what are you talking about this is the sort of stability that i was told would never be available to me if i like lived openly queer and y'all were just wrong and you're bitter about it right right yeah, it's it's so funny because when I remember when I think back to like CCM music, like I think about like, um, I mean, you said Switchfoot, which is like a dope example of somebody who was sort of like more progressive in that space. Right. Like you'd listen to it and go like this kind of crosses over. This is Christian because they are Christian, but mm. but it's also like rock music and like yeah. alternative and like. That's how kind of how I feel about you. Not necessarily rock. Like you're like you're this like very well um well written like singer songwriter who is also Christian. But like when I think about Christian music, I I remember like you know Jennifer Knapp and like oh I mean remember that whole thing. And yeah, she like you know she came out in in 2010 and just totally mm-hmm. got like kind of barred from the um ccm space yeah so i love jennifer i love jennifer Nath. yeah she was awesome i remember i remember her and um man i so my question is for you i guess um like do you think this record would have gone over as well had it been released 10 years ago or 15 years ago and you know um i don't know i'll let you answer yeah well (laughs) i think that um we're in such a unique territory as artists because you can be as independent as you want. So I didn't have, like, I don't have a team. I don't have anybody. My only gear is like this mic, like that's Mm. it. And so I was able to release this on DistroKid, record it at home and have like my team being my wife, be like, you should put this as a Christian record and kind of leave it up to social media. And like, I use TikTok to promote and like using Spotify and things like that to see if I could reach the people that might be interested in my music. Cause that's all you want to do. I don't want to be for everybody. I just want to find my people and be able to make music and find community in, in that connection. Right. So I think 10 years ago, I don't know that you could do that in the same way because that's, that's a good point. Yeah. The tool, right. So it, less about the subject matter, but more about being able to carve your own path mm. and really be like, listen, I don't need a label to help me with this down the line, maybe that's something I would be interested in. But for this first expression, this like first project where I really feel like I was coming into my own as a songwriter and, and being honest for the first time, like Jesus from Texas is, it's interesting that you like that one because I 
I felt like, I don't know if you've ever felt this way with songwriting. I just had to get it out of my system. Like yeah. it was so stream of consciousness. I just put it up on SoundCloud. It's not even played in time. I was just like, I have to get this out because mm-hmm. I was just bubbling over. And then it was like, oh, I almost opened myself up as a songwriter in a way that I closed off. Because as soon as I realized I was queer, I started changing pronouns in my songs mm. for a long time. Dude, same. I did and the same thing because I was it's scared. It's so hard. It, it stifles you. And so for I basically had to work to get back to that rawness. When I was like 13 or 14, some of those songs I wrote when I was 13 or 14 like lyrically they slap i still go back to them and just like damn this is so good that's awesome and i never showed them to anybody because i was so afraid of like what people would think um and so yeah i don't i i think that the way that this has been received is because i was able to just find my people on my own rather than have like a CCM label, which would mm. never have let me. Yeah, no way. Yeah. yeah, it's like, that's a really, really great answer because yes, the internet is stressful and like a lot of anxiety, uh, you know, yeah. breeds anxiety. <laughs> it, it, it's got us bad things, but but that's an amazing uh, point is that like independent artists and bands like don't need to depend on these like gatekeepers anymore that sort of water down their, their real kind of true authentic mm-hmm. message. People will find it if they need to. Like, I, yeah. I, I truly believe that. And it's um, you don't need this like you don't necessarily need this like big machine that's like behind you. Um, anymore. It can help. It can definitely yeah. help. But I think that it isn't necessarily more helpful than you just being like, hi, this is who I am. This is my story. If you relate to that here's my project and using sort of strategic hashtags on strategic apps to find those people that would be like, Oh, I'll I'll come to your shows. Oh my gosh. I relate to this song. I'm, I want to encourage you. Like I believe in you. And that is sometimes more uh, it's like more organic than what a label could do by getting you on certain playlists or getting you on certain billboards. Not that that isn't also cool, but both things I think need to happen and in my case since I don't have a team I'm like just all in on like social media (laughs) dude it's I respect I respect that so much I mean like I'm on a label I'm on a smaller label like I don't know there's certain red tape that I like maybe run into or especially someone on like a really a bigger label runs into with like actually wanting to talk about certain things and then your label's like "Mm, maybe like walk the line on this on this topic Um, maybe stay on the fence or stay neutral or don't I mean I I luckily don't run into that Um, but I can imagine especially Mm -hmm. in the CCM space um, there's probably some issues that there may be like, hey, don't don't speak out about that because we don't want to split the crowd or we don't want to offend anybody. Well, I um, had CCM artists reach out to me privately after Preacher's Kid came out being like, I can't publicly support you, but I support you like in my DMs. That's I've crazy. Had, I've also had CCM artists publicly support me. Like right. People who have come out like so it's been both. But but to your point, like Whoa. there have been artists. They still yeah. they still can't publicly support. That's wild yeah. to me. I mean, it's. I mean, not to like pivot, but just on the topic of like staying this neutral stance, yeah. right? I think like we've seen it with social justice issues, obviously we're yeah. seeing it. I mean, this is an example of it. It's um, that whole quote of like staying neutral is taking the side of the oppressor. I feel like, and I'm not like, you know, I'm not like church bashing or whatever, um, but I do feel like I really want to see more churches like stand up for stuff. Cause like, that's what they're for. Right. Like a thousand percent. I mean, 
social justice is the DNA of the Gospels, in my in right. my view. Right? Yeah, same. I, I think Jesus that, was a radical dude. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I think that it's so it's so strange to see this like very sanitized white Western mm. version of Jesus upholding conservative values that is antithetical to what I see when I attend churches and I attend churches and faith communities that are affirming that are radical in how they advocate for social justice and their activism. And I, I can't tolerate anything less, mm. you know, like I don't want to hear, I don't want to see a beautiful sign with celebrities in attendance with blue check marks, having reserved seating for, with a sign that says like everyone belongs and like, mm. we have to do the work. What, what are you doing? What like, work? Liter- I literally <laughs> want to know what you're doing. Oh, you're doing a mission trip. Cool. You're doing colonialism. Like, stop it. Like, right. This is, there's so much, I, I, hear you and reciprocate all the anger towards like this this institution of religion and i think that the place that i find myself in is it's tricky because i i would describe myself as a faithful skeptic because i can't deny that i fall into prayer every night and that is like where i find myself but i also have the thought of like am i doing this because i don't have a memory of not doing this and this is mm. like my dad used to put me to sleep with a prayer like that's how I know sleep is with a prayer. Wow. <laughs> so like how, so you I sort of have to ask these questions like am I programmed this way? Mm. But I also can't deny the comfort that my faith has given me and the comfort in my own self that I've found in understanding queer theology and that type of affirming biblical scholarship. But it's confusing. It's a whole thing and I have a lot of disdain for communities of faith that have acted beyond reproach mm. um and have taken this like neutral stance i think it's disgusting yeah. and i i mean you know I I, yeah. I I hear you i i i grew up catholic and and you know my parents really struggled when i came out and i'm now realizing that it's i mean i'm not like blaming the catholic church but had there been had that been part of the conversation had that been like in a you know in a sermon or whatever or 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 maybe there's like an after church sort of program where it's like <laughs> yeah. if your kid is is gay this is how we mm-hmm. handle it we accept them we love them but there wasn't any of that like kind of guidance or it, it wasn't outright taught like gay is a sin but then it's mm-hmm. like you see the catholic church being like okay we love and accept everyone in this church and then just like last week or something the vatican was like but we can't bless gay marriage because we cannot bless a sin so it's like which which one are you doing you're like you're like saying everybody come to this church but then you're like but oh but uh, if you want to get married in the catholic church we can't really do that so it's like this like subliminal messaging stuff and it's like it just bothers me um and and it breaks my heart for you know like any any lgbtq plus Catholics, um, I, I think which I also, think that's get, becoming less and less of a thing now because it's pushing out any anybody that's different. And that's not what a church is meant to do. It's meant to, you know, embrace people and be a safe place. So it's yeah, a little I mean, upsetting. It's, I can only imagine. I, I was raised in the Episcopal tradition, so we kind of refer to it as like diet Catholicism. So my dad like wore the robes and right. we did the, we didn't have confession, but diet it's very like, we probably know the same, like, like we have the hymns, we right. the same sort of dress code and right. seriousness and the same sort of motions. That yeah, we go exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like my dad, like holding up the little wafers and yep. whatever. Um, man, I played so many pranks on him. It was so fun um okay we're gonna talk about that later for sure yeah he absolutely hated my brother and I for our teenage years he was like this is miserable but um (laughs) I I think that 
what my sort of grievance that I've talked about with my dad is that like, if you do not speak about something specifically, a community that's being systemically harmed in the name of your religion, even if you are affirming and accepting, which my dad ended up being right. People are going to fill in the gaps and the gaps right now, socially and also within church structure is widely unaffirming, is harmful. And so you and I probably filled in those gaps because we weren't hearing um, clear messages on like, you love your kid, you show up for your kid, no matter what. If there's anyone in this church right now who identifies as LGBTQ+, we want you to know, we love you. There's no barrier to how you are accepted in this church at all. And if you don't say, like, that's why you have to be so specific in all of your activism, in what you stand for, because just widespread social doctrine that we all sort of are raised in, especially in like the Western world, is not going to be inclusive. We know that. Like, we are in a broken system. People sort of need to be like, they kind of need their hands held like a little bit. You You do. Like, hey, this is right. This is wrong. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when you've got a church that just like kind of stays on the fence and lets people, lets people, lets people take, you know, the, the golden rule and like only apply it where they see fit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I can't talk right now. (laughs) Like gay jokes in youth group. That's like a good Ah. example. Like there were a lot of gay jokes made in youth group. Wow. And you like hear it. And you know that for some of these kids, like, I don't know, I don't, I'm still friends with some of them. We all like made gay jokes, unfortunately, during a period of time, but there should have been a person in leadership to step in and be like, you can't say that you can't do that. And I remember the first time another kid was like, don't say gay, like stop saying gay in that Mm. way. It was a kid. It wasn't a youth leader. Wow. That was like, that's wrong. And then it was the first time that I was like, oh, yeah. And the funniest thing is I found an old Facebook conversation with my girlfriend at the time. And we were both to each other referring to things that were stupid as gay. We were mm. fully gay, like yeah. talking to each other, being like, that's so gay. I'm like, we're I, gay. What are I, you I did that probably up until uh, like up until probably through high school. You know, yeah. I mean, um, I guess I wasn't openly gay at the time, but still I was like accepting of, you know, I. I knew it in myself uh, and I was accepting of it in others. But yeah, I would like say it as a derogatory thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's that, so weird. Yeah. That's those are just those little cultural things that kind of just get, um, I don't know, just get pushed along and no one says anything. And then it and then it you don't really know the harm it's doing until someone says, hey, like maybe don't do that. And it's yeah. funny that you said it was a it was a kid and not a youth leader. I think that's super powerful because I feel like I see this generation stepping up more and more like Gen Z dude, like, holy crap. Like, it's so cool to like, to like see kids and see a younger generation sort of take on that leadership role and that parenting role and sort of like be like, yeah, teaching kind of these older generations like, hey, this is how you talk about pronouns. This is how, Mm -hmm. and like being very patient and very like, you know, um, but it's, it's so cool to see that. And it gives me, it gives me extreme hope for the future and that we're really coming a long way, but it's definitely the kids and the, and the youth that is doing the work. It's badass. (laughs) Well, I think they're being raised with social media um, in a way that they've been able to sort of carve out their own relationship to it that we never really had. I mean, Mm. at least I didn't like, 
I remember like you, we were just bombarded with like, now it's my, it's MySpace, it's Facebook, it's this. And we mm. were all just sort of jumping on the trend, but they're, they have all these resources and they can kind of pick and choose what their relationships are with them. Like my cousin who's Gen Z doesn't use Instagram like almost at all because she's like, it's not good for my mental health, but she's on Snapchat and she really, and so she's able to interrogate wow. how she connects with people in a more meaningful way, in a way that serves her. And I think when we're showing up as our best selves, as our, true selves we're able to show up for each other better so i think that i do think that there is this role that social media has played in just like the proliferation of information mm. and people and just like the younger generation being able to connect with each other in ways that serve them not just that ways that feel obligatory like oh i have to be on facebook now i have to be on this mm. Mm. yeah that's a really that's a really good point um yeah we're having to sort of like form these relationships with like technology yeah <laughs> and yeah. but gen z is way better way better at it than, than i are. feel like i am i'm i still am like instagram is bad for my mental health but i'm still <laughs> addicted to it and i still will not i, I can't quit you know uh so but I, yeah so i, I think we're stories. all looking at gen z like hey what do we what do we do <laughs> yeah. how do we handle this situation they're like okay here's what we do uh, i want a gen z master class yeah it's like life <laughs> teach me how to live in the modern age yeah we <laughs> yeah. were sort of like on the cusp of it all like like you yeah. said like we had we had myspace we had facebook but like we we're still sort of like there's sort of like weird little I don't know, hierarchy things, even in those apps, like remember like top friends on Facebook <laughs> and it was like, Stressful. dude, caused so much drama in my life. It's like, why am I not on your top friends? It's like, I don't know. I just picked a few people that I liked. I remember <laughs> putting my brother as like my number one, because I thought that that would be like, no one's going to argue with my yeah, brother it's like, being he's my number brother. one. Yeah. yeah. And then I started putting bands to like cop out to be like, yeah, Switchfoot is my number one friend. <laughs> <laughs> what were your like favorite bands growing up? Were they all like CC? Were they all like Switchfoot, Reliant K mostly? Or like, I mean, I, I definitely hear some like pop punk uh, vibes. Oh yeah. That's... In, your, in your voice and the way you sing. I mean, I get the same from Rustin, which is really funny, but um, but yeah, yeah. like it, you, the way you sing and kind of like, it, it's it's awesome. It's it's like very skater. <laughs> yeah, and, and I actually just started skating in quarantine. I'm super bad, but I was like, it's a it was a matter of time before I tried this. Yeah. Um. I so my my dad the only media that he would bring home was Christian media. So mm. like movies, magazines, wow. yeah, music. So I was very much raised Sheltered. on CCM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, it was in that time where it, they'd have a chart or something. So it'd be like, if your kid likes Britney Spears, then get her Stacey Orico or something like, or like Jackie Velasquez. Like, or <laughs> Jackie Rebecca Velasquez, Sanchez. I remember. Yeah. You know I what remember. I mean? Yep. So it was like very much that type of a thing. Like if your kid likes Avril Lavigne, get her Jennifer Knapp. And um, wow. Yeah. I actually, so it was a big deal. I was allowed to get Avril Lavigne. Um, but when her second album came out and she had an explicit content thing, on it um it, I, I had to really like really drive home I really had to push for it to get that second record and I'm very happy I did because I love Avril she's great but yeah yeah so I grew up listening to um definitely like pop punk I gravitated towards like Switchfoot and Reliant K I also had a pretty heavy new metal phase I was a big fan of Korn I still am wow. a big fan of Korn Slipknot yeah and um cool. so P.O.D. of course was the alternative to like give me P.O.D. um and I, yeah, so I was really into metal for a while, and 
that's that's kind of what I like grew up listening to. And then after I got out of my parents' house, with love to my parents, they are very sweet people and they did their best. And having a kid, as I can only imagine, like was really rough. Right. And I, I mean, me specifically as a kid, because I was just <laughs> insane. But uh, after that, I really had to educate myself on like going back and listening to music that I just didn't have access to and when streaming came out it was a game changer for me like I hadn't listened to a full Dolly Parton record and I remember wow yeah like I'd never not that it was banned from the house it just wasn't around Mm. and so I remember like listening to Redheaded Stranger by Willie Nelson and just the storytelling was like like blew my mind because I yeah so I, I definitely had to go back in my 20s and like learn the learn the basics again and i have really appreciated doing that but definitely a lot of pop punk a lot of emo uh new metal um was was uh my high school years and very very in secret corn i like i didn't tell my dad that i even listened to corn or knew about them until after i'd left the house i've been like what? I did. yeah i was like i did sneak whoa yeah your yeah. your parents were, were stricter than mine i feel like in that but i okay so i loved what you said about um so you were like into all these like you know like reliant k kind of like pop punky bands and corn yeah. <laughs> randomly yeah that's awesome um and then you got into dolly parton and like sort mm. of the songwriting structure and i actually like when you say that i hear those two sort of like meeting in the middle kind of like in your music because like mm-hmm. you are very lyrically um like it's about the lyrics like i immediately and i'm a lyric person so i just like gravitate towards that um automatically but then there's also this like kind of rhythmic uh thing and the chord structure does sound like it can i don't know like a contemporary like kind of pop punky sort yeah. of song as well I don't know. I hear I hear them both. I hear both influences. As no, well. that's it's really cool that you can hear that. We're working on a friend of mine and I are working on a pop punk remix of Jesus from Texas right now. Like as soon that's as I, I'm awesome. done working with you, then like I'm gonna like go and plug in my shit and start working on that. Cause he because I made it as a joke, like it's the same the chord progression is like so similar to like a pop punk song. Yeah, it's like friend. it's like one five six four yeah, or yeah, yeah, one yeah, one yeah. four and six so, five kind of <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. And so but then my friend sent over like a really like fast and loose like garage band edit of like geez like hey this is so funny and i was like but wait should we actually that's do this? Like, that's cool dude i yeah. i would love i would rock out to that that's that's um it's awesome that you have both versions because like for people that really want to like hone in and like connect intimately with the lyrics and then also people that want to like um yeah sort of once you already know what it's about you could like mm-hmm. rock out to it and feel like a different feeling from it it's that's that's badass i'm glad you're doing that Thank you. I hope it turns out okay. It's really hard to sing that fast. Like I yeah. have so much respect for Mark Hoppus and um, Tom DeLonge because like they really were able to spit over like those Blink-182 guitars. Like it's yeah. fast. <laughs> I guess this is growing up. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> so fast. Dude, okay. So I, you were naming like, like P.O.D., like other sort of Christian bands that were yeah. also like also like kind of contemporary um and i'm having like flashbacks and i have to run this by you who was the rapper that was like basically like the christian eminem do you remember do you know kj52 kj52 my name is kj aka kj52 you remember that dude that is like my whole life led me to answering that question like i feel like (laughs) that's so quick how did i know that the fact that no one has asked me about that since i haven't seen that name i haven't either but you were did an eminem diss track 
Did he do an Eminem diss track? He did like a Dear Stan. He did a song Dear called like Slim. Dear Stan or something. Dear and it was Slim. about like Eminem, you're being a bad example. <laughs> like, oh, wow. I doubt even, I doubt Eminem even heard that, to be honest. No, but I remember because I got like <laughs> It's like, who's this, Christian, who's this Christian rapper that's, that's dissing me? I got like a, C- I got CCM Magazine, which is like People Magazine. And they had like a an article about like KJ52 and Emin, like they put their photos next to wow. each other to make it seem like there was a real beef mm. or something. But I, <laughs> I'm sure that there wasn't. Like, sure yeah. Was like, I mean, did Eminem respond? Like, no, then no. there's, then there's no real beef. Like he's probably just like, Oh, okay. Like I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, man. I never claimed to be like a Christian, you know, rapper. Like I never claimed to be a good example. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, that's that's so funny. Okay, I just I had to bring that up because I was like thinking about all these bands that kind of are in these different genres mm-hmm. as, as Christian well, artists. So much of CCM for a long time was like being a Christian version of something in right. the mainstream. And then right. it just all became worship. And mm. then so that's kind of where we are right now is it's all like expressions of worship, which I think is totally fine. But I don't understand why you can't have more diversity and expression in a genre of music about the divine, about like all of creation. Right. And I think that's sort of as an artist, what I humbly submit, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to like, is there space for this type of expression as well? Well, yes, because it's authentically you like anything that's authentically someone is going to be a different expression. But, um, yeah, I I think that's interesting that like everything was a Christian version of of some sort of already popular thing in, in contemporary music. It was like almost like they're like, oh, don't look over there. We've got something better right here that, yeah. that upholds our standards. So interesting. Um, well, and all that happens is that like you're for me when I was able to access that music, my mind was just blown. So one of my favorite examples is my brother was getting really into like LimeWire and like downloading music and he was obsessed with Prince. He like discovered Prince and David Bowie and he was like, oh my gosh. And my dad, sweet, sweet dad, doing the very best that he could, um, was like, okay, like my kid is into Prince and David Bowie. So like, what do I, what is the Christian alternative? And he gave him a Michael W. Smith CD being like, hey, like maybe, I don't know, (laughs) be like, maybe you'll like this. And it's one of the, it's like, it's just, that is such a microcosm example of why that doesn't work for artistic expression. Prince, there's no Prince. You can't replace, you can't replace Prince with Michael W. Smith. It just doesn't work. (laughs) Like (laughs) to say it out loud is so bizarre and comical. Like you can't do that. Like it's not even close. And I think that now, so now I think where CCM is, is that they're like, okay, cool. We're not even going to try and be like, we don't even want y'all in our business. We're just going to do worship. We're Hillsong, we're oceans uh, and we're just doing worship and that's what we do wow. and so then when an artist like myself comes in or other artists as well are like hey is there is there space like mm. you know what about this type of thing they're like no get out of here this isn't christian music and it's wow. like you don't get to say so that. so and that's that's why you think that that preacher's kid wouldn't be i wouldn't turn on christian radio and hear that anytime soon because oh, there yeah, are the, sure. there is all that red tape up still about like nope we just want worship music we don't want your yeah outside opinion that's that's so weird that like just the representation is just like zero yeah it's zero and i also think that um they 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 do think that who i am is a sin and so they don't want to like platform that mm. and that's so that sad. is 
that's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Because so what, what you're doing is so important. Um, and, and you're going to continue to do it no matter yeah. what, no matter if you're playing on Christian radio or not. And the people that that maybe do go to those churches or do like that are thinking for themselves that are seeing like, oh, like, I don't believe this is a sin. I love this artist. Like, they're going to find you anyway, you know? Yeah. Without, well, especially now with streaming. Because like, all those outlets that you mentioned, TikTok, Instagram, right. Spotify, I mean, there's all these outlets and, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I sure as hell want to take you on tour. Um, and I'm sure all these are other artists, like, you know, when stuff opens back up, like live shows mm -hmm. again. And I mean, I just think it's so important, like what you're doing, especially in the like Christian space, because like yeah. a lot of LGBT, um, you know, artists that are maybe out making music, not in the Christian space, like in the alternative or Americana or what, what have you don't really identify as Christian. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I'm under the impression that like, just because, you know, I believe in a certain thing doesn't mean someone else is wrong. You know, right. it's like, I think yeah. everybody can be right at the same time, as long as what you're doing isn't hurting anyone else. Yeah. Um, but I, but I just think, you know, the fact that you're both, the fact that you're Christian and LGBT is, is a very important thing. And, and it's, it's people need that people need both in the same space, just as they need, you know, other things as they need, well i think just as like they need i think you're an amazing representation of coming out of faith and being okay you right because i think for me like i used to lie awake at night and just just genuinely wonder will i ever be okay like wow. will this ever be fine will i ever be okay i would make <sighs> rationalizations about how okay maybe i won't find someone or maybe i'll be alone for my whole life but at least i'll have friends and like you do this sort of emotional arithmetic that is so cruel, mm -hmm. I think, to yourself, especially in those vulnerable teenage years. And I think it's important to have a, a, a multitude of queer representation because we did not have it. We did right. not have no, it. No, we didn't. So we need to see that like, Katie's good. Katie's okay. Grace is good. Grace is okay. Look at all these different paths that you can find right. yourself on and yes. you'll be okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I had that internal, I think everyone that sort of was you know, born and bred in the religion, in any, you know, religion, especially in our westernized, you know, culture, yeah. um, as a closeted gay child, um, had that inter internal dialogue of, you know, is this really a sin? Am I really going to hell? <laughs> like, yeah, like I, through me, it blows my mind that it's even a debate that like, you can go to hell for loving someone. Here's another clip of Jesus from Texas by Semler. And I cut my hair Because I'm worth it These days I believe in Bigfoot more than God Cause who's he hurting? I grew up a preacher's kid Cleaning up after communions I know that I wanted to ask you about the the gay verse, like the gay verse, the gay verse you know, like like Leviticus, the one like how whoa, is how whoa. what's yeah. like what's your rebuttal to that? Uh, I think that 
the first sort of layer, it's an onion to sort of peel it back for people who are non-affirming and explain, I think, how we have arrived at a point of reconciliation and acceptance. Right. And the first one is that like the word homosexual did not appear in any biblical translation in English until 1946. Wow. And so let's start there. Who was that translation sponsored by? Who mm. funded that biblical translation from Hebrew into English? Okay, so what was their incentive at that time to um, vilify the LGBTQ plus community, what was going on in society and culture. So even if you don't want to look at biblical context, like ancient 2000 year old biblical context, let's just look at the context of that translation in 1946 and right. look at what, how society was structured, how there were anti-sodomy laws that were written and how putting in that word homosexual would serve to further certain political agendas at right. that time. People will say, um, you know, the, the gospel is divinely inspired. Every single translation is divinely inspired. It's inerrant. There's no mistakes. So there's no, so then how come there are so many different English translations? Mm. Are, if all of them are divinely inspired. Then why are there different English translations that are using different words to mean different things? Someone mm. has got to be wrong. Right. Someone has got to be right. Right. So I think that's wow. like the first layer is is understanding that humans translated scripture into English. The Bible was not written in English. Then the humans that were translating it were operating from the lens of the time that they were living in. So just taking the word homosexual, there was someone sitting down and looking and finding the word homosexual, given the circumstances that they were in to interpret sexual immorality sexual immorality was being really hammered home to be LGBTQ plus people because of 1940s, 50s society. Right. So that's how we got. And then, and then people act as though like the word's been in there forever. No, a human put that in. And there were a lot of people at the, well, there was one specific person at the time that the word homosexual entered the Bible that basically raised concerns being like, I think this is a misinterpretation. The word should be immorality which means like abuse, which means like, um, you know, it's, it's talking about like consent. It's talking about um, just loving relationships. And what Paul is talking about in that time was that people were not engaging in like loving relationships. Wow. And, and biblical marriage at the time was entirely different. Like you want to go back to traditional biblical marriage? We're not exchanging land for 13 year olds today. Don't act like you want that. Right. Yeah. So much has changed and people like it's like they're clinging on to that one piece of, of context and mm -hmm. and applying it to modern day to 2000, not even 2000. I mean, Leviticus was probably that was before yeah. Jesus, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's Old Testament. Old Testament. Yeah. So that's not even what Jesus said, you know, and it's like the word like J Jesus kind of, I feel like, came to just clear all that up. Right. Because there's a lot of. He did. He you tried. Know, he tried. But but people still call themselves Christians and yet are like mainly focusing on Old Testament, which yeah. is well, which he, is baffling to me. It's so baffling because I like remember that when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they were like trying to get him, they were like, hey, like, what's the most important commandment? Like, look at all these commandments. What's the most important commandment? And he was like, it's love your neighbor as yourself. And in so doing, you will love the Lord your God. So let's break that down. Like, love your neighbor as, your love, as you love yourself. Are you loving yourself? 
do you love yourself? Are you showing up for yourself? Because if you're not doing that, you're going to be doing a shit job at loving your neighbor, which Mm. I know personally is true. Like when I was presenting as like femme girl Fridays and being super (laughs) straight or whatever, like I was the most toxic I've ever been. Wow. I was doing that. Yeah, for sure. So like love your neighbors, you love yourself in so doing, you will love the Lord, your God. And that he was so like, I, I can, I, I sometimes like to imagine Jesus in that moment being like, okay, I got to make this so clear for them because they're going to fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and we still, did, he still did. Yeah. He was like, all right, this is it. Just like love people. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. And they still just poked holes in it and just created laws out of interpreting Paul's letters um, to other churches. Like that's what Paul was doing. He was writing letters to churches and he would find out that churches were engaging in incest and he'd be like, stop doing incest. Mm. And then it's now translated in 1946 to mean like, in more like to mean like homosexuality. And it means this, and it means this about trans people. And like, it means none of that. It's this, Paul was literally writing a letter to a church that had a problem with incest. That's literally what he was doing to wow. be like, Hey, this looks really bad for Christians stop with incest and then it's interpreted now to this day to strip trans people of their rights oh it's so annoying it's It's the way you put it was so was so easy to understand and so like oh okay yeah that makes a lot of sense um yet people still will argue it to their till they're dead you know yeah um they'll just find it's crazy to like find so many ways around loving people yeah and believing people and showing up for them. I think it's really interesting what you just said, though, about, you know, we, um, about love, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Cause when you're in pain, you tend to, yeah, cause harm to other people. You know, it's like, yeah. it, it feels like the people that are in the most pain cause the most pain. Yeah. So that's I think so that's true. like a, that's like, I mean, that's like, yeah, that's like therapy stuff. <laughs> that's like stuff I talk about my therapist with, you know, yeah. like that's Ooh. deep. It's like, Jesus like knew that he was like, yo, like if you don't love yourself, you won't love your neighbor. You know, it's like, so love yourself. And it's man, pretty powerful. We, we just always skip past it. Like I re- how many times have you heard that? Like, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Like, so it's so important to love your neighbor, like love your neighbor. And it was, and so you skip over the fact that we are meant to love and recognize the divine within that we are image bearers in my, in my view, in my belief, we are image bearers. Right. So how are you honoring that in yourself before you try and go and, you know, mess with other people's lives? I know it's, um, it's upsetting when people do the opposite of that in the name of of Christianity, you know? I'm sure that's like, you know, and I think our government is like kind of an example of that. How we, yeah, we won't even open up that can of worms, but like, you know what I mean? It's like, we're like a, like low key, like a Christian, not even low key. We, we're, you know, very Mm -hmm. Christian um, or Christian, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm our government is because you know in god we trust and all that stuff but but yet we're like you know building walls and yeah <laughs> putting kids and in cages like- and like those are our neighbors like why are we you know it's like if people actually put love your neighbor as yourself into practice um it, yeah feels like there'd be a lot more peace yeah well the you know the motto in god we trust um didn't become our motto until the 1950s people think that it's been around forever but that's Mm. why it's so important to understand historical context because now it's like we can't change the motto i'm like the motto was changed 
in the 1950s, <laughs> in the post-war era. That's when it was changed. Before that, it was like in pluribus unum, which was mean, which means of many, we are one. Mm. And it was like, we've changed, like, that's why it's so important. Wow. And that's a better motto. <laughs> yeah, it's a thousand percent. Well, our, our founders. Because that's, that's acknowledging that we are also immigrants, you know, of yeah. many, we are one. That's actually like way more beautiful. Um, and yes, in God we trust, but like, you can't like, you know, start a war and then be like, well, in God we trust. It's like, what? Well, also, like, what God are we talking about? Right. We know that we are we are meant to be a, a country that separates church from state that ha- that celebrates religious diversity and pluralism. So when you're saying in God we trust, if you just ask, like, what type, who is that God? People will say it's a Christian God, but we're not founded as a Christian nation. Right. Like that, it, it, we we think that because we have a short term memory, but you have to go back to history and realize that that all started in like the 1950s when they wanted to basically have like uh, this really toxic sort of Christian evangelism, uh, puritanical way of life steeped back into American culture. I mean, it's always been there, but like having things like making changing the motto is all part of it. And so you almost can't see the forest for the trees and you think we are a Christian nation, but we know that this is a, a nation of religious diversity. It just hasn't been governed that way. Mm. Wow. Yeah, dude, you've, you've really, you've really studied this stuff. It's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank, thank you I for answering that question. <laughs> no, I love it. Thank you for answering that question and like, sure. you know, being open to talking about some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, for real, I just, um, I know I've been like, you know, kind of, complimenting you nonstop, but I, but I really do. Like, I was so happy to discover you, um, on Twitter that day. And then just like, I listened to your full record, like from top to bottom, which is rare these days with, you know, singles being like the only thing people listen to, um, in our single driven world. But I, but I just loved your record and the statement it made and you, um, song about youth group and just you representing Christians that, that are struggling with this because it's real, you know? I, that means so much to hear from you. It's a very, a very full circle moment to be speaking with you because I just have that very vivid memory at Hotel Cafe of like just being so overwhelmed because I had no idea um, how much I would relate to your music. And it was just like you with a guitar. And I was like, yeah. And then when your record came out and a bunch of people texted it to me, they're like, have you heard Expectations? Wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah, a lot of people, they were like, I think you need this. Well, so it's, it's just very funny how um, how life kind of comes in very like full circle moments Cause it, to be sitting here and like sharing our experiences and our stories with each other is like, it, I mean, it, you do. It makes you sort of wonder not to be so, so new age, you just about like all the connections in, in the world, you know, like how, what if I had known that night at Hotel Cafe that I would ever get the chance to speak to you one on one. Like, that's just mm. very surreal to think about. Wow. That's wild that that's like surreal for you. Cause I was just like, I'm just an opener on this tour. <laughs> like, you are you know, not an opener. Like, oh you know what I mean? That was in 2018. That, that feels mm-hmm. so long ago now. Uh, yeah, what? Well, just, cause it was. <laughs> I had like just lost my job. I was like, really, it was like a rough time for me. Just, Damn. I was so filled with a lot of uncertainty. And so I think that honestly seeing you on stage and like your songs and it, a lot of it ended up on expectation. I can't remember exactly your set list, but a lot of it was like, would eventually go on to be your, your first record. And right. there was just a lot. That's why representation is so important. Cause I remember like watching you up there and being like, come on, Grace, like you can do this. Like mm. look at Katie, like Katie's doing it. Like it's so important to have. Wow. That's people awesome. That you can point to and see and be like, you know, 
the people that serve as inspiration to keep going in your own path and figuring your own shit out. And that's absolutely what I felt when I saw you there. I was like, this kid is like fucking going for it. And this is amazing songwriting. This kid's just going for it. (laughs) I was like, well, because that's the thing. Like it was, you know, being an opener is awkward. It's like, it is, it can be this awkward thing. You don't know how the crowd is going to receive you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, this is Katie's show. With love to Rusty, but like, I was like, this is, <laughs> I was like, this is, everyone's just like crying. This is so sick. Yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for saying that. I mean, yeah, and you know, I felt that way, you know, when I saw Brandy Carlisle live the first time, I was like, holy shit, dude, like this gay woman is singing her ass off. Like, she's just going for it. She, this, <laughs> this kid's going for it. This kid's really going for it. <laughs> I can do that. Um, no, but it, yeah, I love, I think that's a really powerful moment of like looking at someone who is, is like you or has a similar story or background and then going, I can do that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this empowering thing. And, and that's, that is to a T why representation is so important. And you're doing that. Hopefully I'm doing that. Um, and yeah, badass dude. Um, I guess I'll cut it off here. All right, everyone, that's it for the very first episode of Recovering Catholic. If this conversation resonated with you, please feel free to let me know on Instagram or Facebook at Katie Pruitt Music. If any of you out there are struggling with your sexuality or you just want to learn how to be a better ally, please visit The Trevor Project online. They offer a handful of free resources as well as therapy sessions and a suicide prevention hotline. I'm proud to leave you with the title track from Semler's self-released EP called Bethlehem. Be well, everyone, and keep looking for the light. When I retire, I will simply write a short story for my revenge about this town, these people, these gamblers. The first song I learned spoke of Bethlehem. So is that prophecy? Or is that brainwashing? Cause no one ever pitched the great gods And I don't know why not I think that Athena'd understand me When my chips have fallen My Messiah came calling But what if he'd not? Would my soul just rot? Oh, what I'd give for just an inch of your peace Cause I wanna fall but I got bruises on my knees Oh, what I'd give for just an inch of your peace Cause I wanna fall be someone that you'd call My dad's never cursed in his life I asked if he smoked, he said twice Well, by that standard, I'm a goddamn failure I passed blunts the day I married my wife But I'm a child of God, just in case you forgot And you cast me out every single chance that you got And that's your loss, not mine I'll be better than fine You just missed your shot to meet the unholy divine I'm saying, 
fuck a savior And if she can't take it then she's small I'm gonna ask a lot of questions Because I'm giving this my all You know the people preaching now Well they've been putting us through shit And if you don't sanction that Then why are you rewarding it? You know the mission trips are scams They do more harm than good We got fame hungry pastors Making bank in Hollywood I'm more confused than I've been And I don't think this will pass And I'm saying your name When I think the plane will crash What I'd give The Recovering Catholic is presented by Osiris Media, hosted and produced by Katie Pruitt, edited by Justin Thomas, mixed and mastered by Guy Fell and Revoice Media, theme music by Katie Pruitt, distributed by Concord, artwork by Sammy Wiedeberg. This episode features original music by Semler. Osiris.